the RTI Time Machine. Today's time traveler is John Van Trieste. And the destination Zilong 1642. By 1636, the Spanish Empire's occupation of northern Taiwan had continued for a decade. When the outpost on Taiwan had been founded 10 years earlier, it had been intended to protect the Philippines and its capital, Manila, the nerve center of the Spanish Empire in Asia. It was thought that Spain's Dutch enemies might launch raids from their nearby colony in southern Taiwan. A Spanish outpost in the north of Taiwan might be a useful counterweight. But 10 years on, it had become clear that Taiwan was a drag on Spanish finances. The outpost barely attracted trade and produced little to support itself. By 1636, the Spanish governor-general of the Philippines had already concluded that the Taiwan colony wasn't worth the expense. Soon, troops were withdrawn and supply missions cut. The colony was left wide open to Dutch attack. Professor Jose Eugenio Borao Mateo teaches at National Taiwan University and has made research into the Spanish colony his life's work. He joins us today to tell us about the Spanish colony's fall and the aftermath of the Dutch takeover. Don Sebastián Hurtado de Corcuera, the Governor General of the Philippines, was in fact only one of those who thought of abandoning Taiwan. But leaving the island wasn't that easy. There was Spain's reputation to protect, and no one wanted a humiliating loss of face. Around the 1637, they said, just forget it about this. But the problem is, they cannot say, let's go from here. No? Uh, it's a kind of lose of faith. No? They cannot just leave because they are not succeeding. But at the same time, they want to leave, no? at least in the mind of the Manila governor. No? In 1640, the final governor of Spanish Taiwan, Gonzalo Portillo, arrived at his post in Jilong, the main Spanish base in Taiwan. Portillo was an experienced military man who was given the unenviable position of defending an outpost with only a skeleton crew remaining. He quickly realized what kind of a place he'd been sent to. The new governor coming here to Taiwan, the last governor was called Portillo, was an experienced soldier, and he found out <laughs> the real situation. No? He experienced how the Spanish governor in Manila provided nothing help to him. Despite being miserably understaffed and undersupplied, Portillo toughed it out. But even an experienced soldier like himself could only do so much. The Dutch colony in the south had grown, and the watchful Dutch soon learned of their Spanish rivals' effective withdrawal from Taiwan. In 1641, they sent a force to Jilong in an effort to finish off the Spanish colony and take its main fort. Given the poor state of things, the Dutch might have succeeded but a stroke of luck on the Spanish side interrupted the Dutch plan. The Dutch flagship was destroyed. Spanish records are clear on this point and even note a request for divers to help find the ship. But Professor Barrow says there's a gap in Dutch records from this period, which means our understanding of events is unfortunately one-sided. They make an approach to Chilon with their own fleet, but it was a stroke of luck. They destroyed the flagship, but it's a pity because uh, we don't have uh, too much records on that. No? The Spaniards say clearly this happened and even they call from Manila to send a, a person able to do diving, no? 
to find the, the ship there, no? because the following day they found the mast of the ship. But in the, that surface, they have a, a hole, precisely in this, this year, uh, in 1641. So they cannot mention what happened with this event. No? It was a bad start, but the Dutch returned the following year, and this time they were successful in forcing a Spanish surrender. The Spanish didn't give up without a fight, but Professor Barrow believes that the battle was largely for show and honor, with few fatalities. I did try again in the following year, and Portillo didn't offer resistance. I mean, the, the people coming from the last release ship um, were sent to make a, a mock defense, and later there was a battle of one week, uh, and later finished everything, and that's it, and everybody went back home, and that's it. But, uh, not, I think not too many people died. Uh, was a formal battle, but uh, more like a, a chess game. <laughs> In 1642, Spanish Taiwan came to an end, the victim of budget cuts. The Spanish presence on Taiwan had lasted only 16 years. But budget cuts or no, the loss of a colony to the enemy was a humiliation, and those at the top were held accountable. Part of the reason we know so much about the colony's final days is because of a trial held after it was lost. Corquera, the Philippine governor general who'd ordered the withdrawal of troops, was to be judged, as all governors were when their term in office came to an end. With Corquera, what was usually a respectful and straightforward procedure ended badly. After a long term in office, there were many complaints against him, but the loss of Isla Hermosa, as the Spanish called Taiwan, was deemed to be one of his gravest sins. Historians rely on the documents, and the documents related to Corquera and the loss of Isla Hermosa are quite rich, precisely because there was a, I mean, a common procedure, protocol, when a new governor comes to a new place, which is to make a trial to the former governor. No? Of course, usually, uh, since you know that the following governor will be the judge of your own actions, so try to deal each other with uh, respect, etc. No? But in the case of Corcuera, it was not like that, because Corcuera stayed quite a big number of years, I think eight years or even more, so there was many complaints. And one of the key issues was the loss of Isla Hermosa. And there was a lot of documents about these things. That's why we are able to know many things about this colony, no? because of that trial. No? In principle, Corcuera was uh, considered guilty of his activities, particularly this one of, of Isla Hermosa. Uh, he was sent to Spain, and only after many years he was able to clean his name. While Corcuera returned to Europe and cleared his name, Portillo, Spanish Taiwan's final governor, did not. He and the rest of the colony's Spanish defenders were captured by the Dutch. Portillo knew that he too would face a tribunal. He asked the Dutch not to send him back to Spanish-held lands. Instead, he followed the Dutch to Indonesia, and his fate after that is unknown. Regarding Portillo, it's very interesting because Portillo said, I cannot go back to Manila. Uh, I mean, the Spaniards, want, once they lose uh, Taiwan, they have to follow in the orders of the Dutch, no? And they said, okay, I will help you to go to Batavia, to Jakarta with us, and maybe once in Batavia you can go back to Manila or you can decide, no? 
Bet, eh, Portillo said, okay, I cannot go back to these places and later to, to Manila because they will look for me, no? And I cannot defend myself because the fact is I lose the place, no? And I cannot claim that I didn't receive supplies. So he just went to Makassar in the area of Indonesia, a friendly kingdom to the Spaniards, and they, we don't know what happened to him in Aden. Professor Barao is one of the few people who's not only written about Spanish Taiwan, but dug into it as well. Until 1937, the main Spanish fort at Zilong, Fort San Salvador, continued to stand. But as World War II closed in on Taiwan, the site became a shipyard. One of the books Professor Barao has worked on is an archaeological survey of the site, with digs underneath the modern shipyard's parking lot. He believes they may have found the foundations of a Spanish chapel, but says the team can't be sure. Spain's presence in Taiwan was limited to 16 years, and to date the only European object found from this period is a broken belt buckle from a uniform. Professor Barao says he was once disappointed by this lack of finds, but the digs have changed his mind. In the search for a few small Spanish traces, his team ended up unearthing artifacts representing thousands of years of Taiwan's history. Quoting a Spanish archaeologist, Professor Barao says that just as astronomy shows us how small humans are in space, archaeology shows us how small they are in time. The Spanish experience in Taiwan is just one rich layer in a much richer, bigger story. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another journey through time. <laughs>